Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the 49th episode, and I'm here for the first week of the spring break, I guess. Uh, F1 cars were originally scheduled to be racing at the Shanghai International Circuit this coming week. But unfortunately, circumstances led to the cancellation of the Chinese Grand Prix, and we were left with this huge gap in the calendar. But before I get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, first a quick reminder, please go to the link tree in the description. It includes links to podcast pages like all the platforms you can find this podcast, my YouTube channel, my Twitter, and my TikTok. It has my email address if you'd like to reach me about uh, podcast stuff or other opportunities. You can also find my personal Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Um, But yeah, with no racing to really preview or recap, I figured we could talk about some different things for a change, like the goals that drivers and teams should be setting for themselves, and also bring back the three-word game, this time for some all-time drivers. Alright, I came up with this idea um, a bit ago, and I thought it would be interesting for this break because it's it's too soon to be, you know, talking about any driver's performance so far, especially when rookies are just still getting their feet wet in F1. Um, so I figured it would maybe be more fitting to look ahead and try to get into the minds of some of these drivers and some of these teams and think, what are they striving for in F1? And I think all of them would have way different answers than, you know, to what I'm about to give for each of them. Um, but I think, you know, as a, as a fan of the sport, I'm going to be a little bit more grounded than all of them. Like, you know, uh, Haas might say, oh, you know, we're looking to, to win the championship. And it's like, okay, well, you know, that's never going to happen. Like, let's, let's be real, right? Um, so I'm going to be giving a little bit more realistic goals for each of these drivers and teams, and uh, we'll see what you guys think. And maybe I'm, uh, if I'm undershooting a little bit, if that even is a word, uh, you know, you can uh, you can let me know by uh, going to the link tree, like I said. Anyway, we're going to start kind of in reverse order here, and uh, we'll start with Williams. So I'll, I'll go through the team and the drivers, starting with the team. I think... The goal is for them is to, is to still just keep closing the gap um, as they have. They basically have closed the gap to the midfield considering uh, where they were in uh, 2020, 2019 and all that. They were really, really in the mud and uh, they've definitely um, brought themselves back. But at, they're still not really a unit um, that you know looks worth selling to me. And I think that's what Doralton Capital, who is, you know, the owner of the team, they need to continue doing. They need to continue building this brand. And if they're able to um, really become actually a decent force in the midfield and also have some marketable drivers like potentially, you know, Alex Albon's a really uh, likable guy. Uh, Logan Sargent being an American driver, if they can really market that, um, I think they're on the right track to some of those things. Um, but that's got to be their goal. Um, I think Doralton's just got to set this team up where it could sell. And then potentially whoever buys the team could really take them to the next level. But it's impossible to predict those type of things. So that's where I've got Williams. Just continue closing the gap to the midfield. If they're able to, you know, get like a P6 finish, I think that would be absolutely massive for them. Um, but I don't think they're quite there yet. So Logan Sargent. 
Um, at the moment, it's hard to say. You know, he might be like, well, I aspire to be, you know, a world champion someday. And I think, you know, that's a fair goal to set. Like, who knows what his potential really is. But at the moment, he's just got to limit the mistakes and, you know, prove that he belongs in F1. I think from the very first lap in F1, we saw Logan's potential. And pace-wise, I think he's actually very quick. But these past two weekends, qualifying in Saudi Arabia, and then also a little bit in the race in Jeddah too, um, he really lost his tires. And then he was nowhere in Australia. And that horrible mistake crashing into the back of Nick DeVries was not a great look. So I think he might be under a bit more of a microscope now that we've seen um, two not so great weekends from Logan. Um, so yeah, just continue to limit the mistakes and continue to grow. He's a rookie, so it's it's really hard to say. Um, but Alex Albon, I think there, he's got two options. Really, it's either really help build this team and achieve the goals that I set for Williams, or just be so good that you know a better team in the midfield can't deny you and they're going to want to recruit you. I think um, like a team like McLaren could love the services of Alex Albon in the future. Say Lando Norris finds a spot at a top team, getting ahead of myself a little bit. Um, I think a driver like Alex Albon would be perfect for McLaren, at least in the state that they're currently in. So I think that's just what Alex has to do is just, you know, he is definitely proven he belongs in F1. He's had that year off. He is not even close to losing a, a, a seat on this grid, in my opinion, even though he is in a bottom team. He, he he deserves better, and I think if he continues to perform the way he is, he will, um, you know, get what he deserves. Alpha Tauri. Uh, this is an interesting one. You might not think, you know, you might not expect what I'm, I'm going to say. Um, and that's just actually be a cool team and make Red Bull money. Um, you know, I think the, the obvious thing to say would be to, you know, reassert themselves as a, as a great midfield team like they were doing in 2021. But right now, they don't have the driver lineup to do that, or the car. And honestly, AlphaTauri, I don't know any fan of that team, unless you're just such a Red Bull hardo that you just love AlphaTauri by default. But even then, you know, that person's favorite team isn't AlphaTauri, it's Red Bull. So I think, you know, for a fashion brand as uh, my buddy Shackleton uh, when he was on here a few episodes back, pointed out, like, they should have the coolest livery on the grid. You know, they're a fashion brand. And, you know, I think that point needs to be brought up more often is that, and if Red Bull's not going to sell them too, like, what are you doing on this grid? What are you providing to the grid? And that's something that's keeping a team like Andretti off the grid. What does AlphaTauri bring to the grid? Nothing. So, I think, honestly, this team, if it's not going to perform on track at the very least, like, be a likable team. And I find there's really nothing likable about them at the moment besides, you know, Yuki Sonoda is kind of a likable driver. But even that, I still don't think a lot of people, you know, are huge Sonoda fans by any means. So I think just become more marketable is is what Alvatara needs to do. Or please, for the love of God, Red Bull, just sell them. That would be great. <laughs> um, Nick DeVries... This is a simple one, and I don't think I need to elaborate on it too much. Is just prove to Red Bull that you belong. So far, um, based off of Yuki Tsunoda's track record, which I don't think is completely fair, because I think Yuki has shown a, a good step. Because you know the 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 Alfa is not a great car. It's not being completely you know um, 
what's the word? It, it's it. The drivers aren't the ones who are bringing this car down to you know a tenth place car. Like it, it legitimately is, and I think that's actually why we're seeing an impressive year so far from Yuki Tsunoda, is because the car actually isn't great. It's not like it's the drivers who are bringing them down, if if you know what I mean. So I just think Nick DeVries needs to. You know, by the end of the year, get closer to to Yuki because right now it's not all that close. Qualifying's not bad, but in the races, a place where Yuki Sonoda typically struggled last year versus Pierre Gasly and Sonoda was good in qualifying. DeVries needs to close that gap. Um, but as for Yuki Sonoda, he needs to continue to extend that gap. He needs to continue to improve as he showed last year and is showing this year, and continue to put whole weekends together consistently, which he has done so far continue to do that all season long and I think we might have like an underrated driver of the year Sonoda has been impressive so far I I don't care what what you have to say Sonoda has been an impressive driver so far but we're only three races in and some of the things that he's capable of doing um could could still very well happen and you know things can unravel fast in F1 so um, just stay consistent, Yuki, and I think uh, you know his time will come. Maybe even not a better team. Now, Alfa Romeo Sauber. I didn't even write anything for this one because I don't know. Like, what would you strive to do at this point when you're just gonna be a new team in a few years? So honestly, and and, and they're they're such a tough one too because they started these regulations so strong, and I feel like they just continue to drop backwards. Like, I wouldn't be surprised by the next time, like, or by the end of the year, they're the 10th quickest team just because their development has been so, so poor. Um, so I think, honestly, their goal should just be to try to go out with some sort of respect. I mean, I, Sauber will always be respected because they've been around for a long time. So it's hard. I just, I don't really know what to say for this team. And I don't know what they should strive for. So I guess just not finish 10th. <laughs> Such a lame goal, but I, I really just don't know what to come up with with this team. Um, so I'll just move on to their drivers. Uh, so Zhou Guan Yu, I think, honestly, just match Valtteri and then beat him as he starts to age. If this is going to be their lineup for the next few years, I think Zhou has to has to beat Valtteri once, at least once, um, or continue to, to, to beat him. Um, and really that's it because Bottas, I have the exact opposite. He needs to stay ahead of Joe and then to add a wrinkle to, to his goal is he needs to prove Audi that he's worth keeping because really if he can't prove Audi that he's worth keeping, he's never going to be in a seat to you know score a podium ever again. His chances were at the beginning of last year at 2022. I mean, um, the, the Alfa Romeo was really fast and he got close. He, he didn't have the car to do it. Um, for definitely he didn't. There was two cars that were clearly quickest um, than everyone else. Um, but still, I think Valtteri has faltered a little bit. Um, also, on top of Alfa Romeo's um, kind of lack of development, they're kind of not going well together at the moment. And this track record and, and the fact that, you know, Audi might become a brand new team, like they might just want a clean slate. And I don't know if another team is really going to look at Bottas and be like, okay, yeah, we could use his services. Because there's guys like Kevin Magnussen and Nico Hulkenberg, which is a perfect segue because I'm doing Haas next, who are basically doing the same thing as him. They're a reliable set of hands in the midfield. Um, and that's exactly what Haas needs. 
They need to be the best of the rest in the midfield. That's that's I think should be their goal because really they can't set themselves a goal any higher than that. They just don't have the budget or the resources to really challenge at the front. So I think they could be a best of the rest midfield team and that's what they should strive to be. So it's it's really as simple as that. Um, as for Kevin Magnuson, I think he just needs to not get embarrassed by Nico. If Nico Hulkenberg beats him and he still has a solid year for Haas, they're not going to mind. They're not going to care at all. Just be there or thereabouts and Magnuson will have a spot at Haas. You know, they love him there. But Nico Hulkenberg, I think, has maybe some interesting other prospects. And that is, first of all, to continue silencing the doubters as he has, but also wait for a seat at Audi. I know it's three years away and Audi, I doubt is going to be super competitive off the bat. So his, his time in F1, the clock is ticking, but I still think the German driver that Hulkenberg is at a team like Audi, maybe we're all thinking of the wrong German drivers here. Everyone was like, Oh, Mick Schumacher. Oh, maybe Sebastian Vettel. Obviously that's not a thing anymore, but why not Nico? I mean, Nico is performing at a high level right now. And we have plenty of drivers proving right now that age isn't that important. So I honestly think Nico Hulkenberg is like a sneaky prospect for the Audi drive. And if he can continue, um, you know, proving that he is just a world-class midfield driver, I think that's exactly, you know, the type of guy that Audi might need. Like think about Red Bull when they, when they join the sport. They got a guy like David Coulthard, and I think that's a brilliant strategy. You know, don't put two rookies in the car with a brand new team. You need someone with experience from the cockpit to help the team, you know, uh, to, to build the team, I guess I should say. I, I'm lacking the word that I'm looking for. But anyway, you get the point. McLaren, I think uh, this team has to strive to be podium contenders in two years' time. Um, and I know McLaren fans are like, are you kidding me? Two more years just to contend for the podium? I know, but they have plenty, they have reasons and they have stated them multiple times, people within the McLaren uh, camp that, you know, they have restrictions as to why, you know, they can't challenge at the front. I know McLaren has the pedigree of a team that should be higher up, but at the moment they're not able to compete with Ferrari and Mercedes and Red Bull for for reasons that they are aware of. And the wind tunnel is the most famous of them, for sure. And that is coming soon. In two years' time, there won't be any more excuses, as they have said themselves. So if they're not contending for podiums in two years, they at least need to be in 2026. They need to nail those regulations. And that's the very minimum. Or else, you know, McLaren is... Is, is at risk of, you know, just not, you know, losing fans. They're a super, super likable brand. Um, McLaren's not my team, but who doesn't like McLaren? Like, I, I like them as, like, a secondary team because they do a great job of that. And to be fair, Zach Brown also markets the team very well. Um, but, you know, if they're just continually going to be in the midfield, it's going to be tough for them to, to maintain that brand image, I suppose. Um, but Oscar Piastri, I think kind of in line with McLaren's goals. If you want to stay at this team, just be in your prime for when this team is ready to contend. And I think that's 25 or 26. And if not, then, you know, if he's in his prime and he is performing at the, at the level that we think he could perform at, then he could very well find himself at a new team. So I think that's got to be his goal. 
is, you know, to one day find himself at a top team, whether that is McLaren later on. There's still years. He, he needs to think of the future right now. Right now, just focus on getting better. Lando Norris, I think, is one of the hardest ones out of all the drivers because, like, just keep doing what you're doing. I don't know what else he could do better, honestly. Um, and I know you might might say, like, oh, well, you know, some of these other drivers you're saying to, like, assert themselves as the number one driver and help build the team. Why aren't you saying that to Lando? And it's for the same reason I said for McLaren. Lando knows exactly why this team can't perform at the top, and that's why he signed on for a long-term deal because he he is trying to help build this team and he wants to be there for when they contend and I, I kind of respect that loyalty in a sense on the other hand could he have got a better seat than McLaren I'm not sure but I think he's just got to keep doing what he's doing until either McLaren contends as I said with Oscar Piastri or a big seat opens up and I think any big team, if Alonso retires or Hamilton retires or Red Bull moves on from Perez or Ferrari moves on from Sainz, they would all love Lando Norris's services. So I just think he's got to keep doing what he's doing because he would be um, probably the outside of the top teams. He is probably the most sought after driver. So just stay, keep that title, I guess. Right. So um, let's let's talk Alpine. This one is something they already have have said. This is our goal. And that is, you know, basically to form a big four of the manufacturers. They want to close the gap. They want to be a part of that um, big four. And I think just beat Aston Martin. That is kind of a one that I kind of added in there. Aston Martin should not be beating a manufacturer. You're beating multiple manufacturers right now, not just Alpine. But, you know, Aston Martin is in the mix with Ferrari and Mercedes. They are clear of Alpine at the moment. So Alpine should not be letting that happen. And I know they also have their own restrictions, I guess. But at the same time, there's just their excuses are going to run out if their 100 race plan or whatever it is uh, doesn't pan out. So just, I guess, they are making progress. Um, and I, I will mention this too, just because I saw this the other day, that Alpine you know, plans on gaining a certain amount of tents or something. And it's like they believe that, oh, once we gain this, um, you know, quantity of lap time, then we're going to be there. And they don't, it feels like they don't take into account that all the other teams are also going to get quicker. And they're just going to keep maintaining this gap between uh, behind them because they get quicker, but then all the other teams go quicker. I don't know. I, I honestly do have some faith in Alpine to at least not fall back into like some of those years where Renault were like a bottom midfield team. I don't think that's going to be the case, but it is an uphill battle to, you know, start challenging with the likes of Ferrari and Mercedes and Red Bull. Um, but that has to be their goal. It has to be because they do, you know, have the resources and the fact that they are a manufacturer, they need to be up there. So Esteban Ocon, I think that this guy has gotten better every single season that he's driven in F1, and I think that he needs to continue to do that. Um, and he definitely, it's not going to be a good luck getting beaten by Pierre Gasly, but Pierre Gasly is a solid driver. I had Ocon over Gasly um, in a tight battle this year in my head-to-head -head predictions. And if Ocon loses, I'm not going to be surprised because um, Gasly is, is a solid driver. 
And I think their goals are slightly different. I think Gasly needs to assert himself as the team's number one, where Ocon just needs to continue being the solid driver because they already respect him there. Um, and it, it's hard it's hard to say because I, I do think Ocon try, should try to assert himself as the team's number one too, but I think he kind of already somewhat has done that because he's been there the few years. Um, like Gasly's the new driver, so it, he needs to work to take over kind of what Ocon has built there. Um, and if some exciting prospect comes along, you know, which driver they're going to drop. You know, I think Ocon is the guy that they would keep at the moment just because he's the one that's been there. Um, Gasly needs to take that from him. So that's kind of their goal together. I just think Ocon needs to continue growing. If they continue to see that progress, they're probably going to keep him. But if he stalls and Gasly kind of continuously gets one over him, then they'd probably drop him and keep Gasly, right? So Gasly is the more marketable driver. So there is uh, another thing with that too is maybe Ocon should uh, maybe try to get some more fans. Like I love Ocon for his story, not so much for the actual um, like personality he is. And I'm not, I'm not saying he's a boring, bad guy. It's just I, I think we can all agree, you know, Ocon's not like – He's the most colorful guy on the grid, that's for sure. Um, so let's let's do Ferrari now. And honestly, it's this is a weird goal, I guess, but they just need to learn from their mistakes. They need to learn from the downfalls of these past two years. If they really ever want to challenge at the top again, they have Charles Leclerc. He is definitely talented enough. Um, and you'll see what I have to say about him because this kind of goes hand in hand with his goal. Um, so actually let's, let's go to the drivers then, uh, Carlos Sainz, I think he needs to be better in the areas where Charles is weak. If he can, you know, continue being, what's the word kind of like just for, for lack of a better term, I guess the smart driver that he is the cunning driver, um, where, you know, making strategy calls from the cockpit, something he's a driver that Ferrari really does need, I think. And, um, he is well-respected and just a smart guy. I can't, I guess I can't really think of a better word for it. Um, and if he can continue being strong in those areas where Charles does have some weaknesses, um, because going into Charles, I, I really feel like honestly, all these goals that I have for Ferrari, we kind of begin with Charles. So it's weird going with him, uh, last because I just think Charles needs to become more authoritative and he needs to build Ferrari as it were his, you know what I mean? Um, so he he really needs to kind of I feel like he's still like the young raw driver where he's in a, a, a team like Ferrari who was so close was on the brink of challenging for the title last year and it doesn't feel like he has that same air around him um, that he should and I just feel like he needs to like just earn everyone's respect he might already have like you know what I mean I'm not in the team but it just it, it feels that way and I feel like he needs to be the one who is, you know, same with Fred Vasseur, obviously, because he's the team principal and he's new to everyone in that environment, that he really just needs to galvanize the team and become more authoritative and, you know, tell exactly where we need to improve. Um, and if Charles can't do that, that's where I think Carlos needs to be that guy. So that's kind of why I'm saying it's weird um, to start with Charles. So that's kind of where I'm saying, and Ferrari as a team, just all together needs to learn from their mistakes. I think they're a hard one to explain, I guess, but I hope you understand kind of where I'm coming from.
Mercedes, I honestly couldn't think of a better one than just close the gap to Red Bull. I mean, they're still the best team, in my opinion, um, to not the best team. Like Red Bull's the best team. They're the best team to still give Red Bull a, a run for their money. So they just need to work to fix this car and then develop incredibly well. Like it's it's a it's a lot to ask. But that's that should be their goal. Um, and there's no wrong with setting that goal. Is it going to be attainable? It's going to be really hard. But I think that's what they have to strive for. And that's what they are striving for. George Russell and Lewis Hamilton, completely different goals. I think George Russell needs to take what Lewis has. And Lewis needs to take what nobody has ever achieved. George Russell needs to make Mercedes his team. And Lewis Hamilton needs to win an eighth title. And I don't think... You know, anyone is going to disagree with that take. George Russell needs to basically be ready. Not even be ready because he is ready. He needs to continue to to get one over Lewis. And even if the time comes where they're both together, if he can beat Lewis to a championship, that would be insane. That would be phenomenal for him, obviously, because he won a championship. Um, but I just think, Already, we're starting to see it where some team members are really starting to respect George and they kind of understand that Lewis is on the way out and maybe he's been critical of the team in this phase. If he can just be the positive guy like like George has been um, and kind of get the team more so around him than Lewis, I think he's going to benefit in the long run because he's the one who's going to be there, you know, not Hamilton. Where Hamilton, he needs to win his eighth title because what else is he in the sport for? Um, you know, he makes an incredible impact off the track but we're talking just strictly track stuff pretty much here um and really the only other thing that he can achieve is his eighth title um so that <laughs> that's kind of why i've gone with that goal um so now aston martin i think you know i think they need to just keep on the on the pace that they're on and that is you know to become a championship contender and the whatever, I don't, what year was it? Was it 2025 for them? I actually don't remember. But they're ahead of schedule, basically, is is all I need to say. And if they can continue the progress ahead of schedule as they are, they're exactly where they need to be. And it's hard to set a goal for Aston Martin because they've done so freaking well. So, yeah, I think if they can finish top three in the championship this year, that is, like, ridiculous. To, to be in that top four... And well, not only to be in that top four, but to finish ahead one of them, they just need to keep the train rolling. As for Lance Stroll, I just think he needs to earn the respect of the public um, because he doesn't need to earn the respect of anyone on the team. He is respected in the team and he doesn't need to prove himself in F1 because he will always have a seat in F1 as long as his dad owns the team. So what else does he need to do? I just think he needs to continue to earn the respect of the media and the public. Um, because there's still plenty of people that doubt his abilities. And Lance is a decent driver. So just keep churning in good results. And eventually people will have no chance or they'll have no... Um, wow, I'm struggling with coming up with the words today. Um, they, they, they won't have no other option than to uh, agree that you belong in F1. And as for Fernando Alonso, he needs to win that 33rd. He needs to he needs to get that thirty third win. I'm not sure he'll be around long enough for the long term uh, Aston Martin, you know, championship run. If he is, then that is just incredible. 
Um, so I guess you could make make maybe make a secondary goal if that's what he's really striving to do is to just stay on top of his game until Aston Martin is really ready to contend. Um, but if it's not that, just get that 33rd win. That's I want to see that so bad. Um, so just keep going, Alonso, because that guy's ridiculous, isn't he? Um, and Red Bull. Uh, I'm going to keep this one nice and short. Red Bull need to keep Max Verstappen happy because he has threatened multiple times in, in quotes that he might retire early. If, if Red Bull can, you know, influence F1 to keep Max Verstappen happy, keep him in that car, they are going to be successful for as long as he's there. And as for Sergio Perez, he needs to make Max angry. He needs to make him work because I think the more work that Max Verstappen gets, you know, if he does leave the sport early and Sergio Perez still finds himself in that Red Bull seat, he actually might have a legit chance, um, you know, alongside whoever replaces him at a, at a, you know, a championship for Mexico. And that would be just pure scenes. If he is the veteran driver in that team and there is no Max Verstappen, who knows, even if it's a Lando Norris, who I rate so highly, if it's a George Russell or any of these young guys who move to Red Bull, like Perez being the one already there and that, you know, new driver, even as quick as they may be coming into the new team, who knows what will happen. But as it stands with Perez still, not only the the more junior driver in the team, but going up against just an absolute animal that is Max Verstappen, I don't see it happening. Now, as for Max Verstappen, it's kind of right up against Checo. He needs to continue spitting the carousel of teammates, as I call it. Um, just continue to dominate them. And if the gap gets so big again, Perez will be out. And then that new driver that comes in is going to struggle again because they're so many years behind in a Red Bull versus Max Verstappen. So if Max Verstappen can continue to do that, and I guess also it's the same thing, is just like maybe make his voice a little bit more heard in Formula One um, and get the things that he wants to stay in F1, then maybe that's also a, a good goal for him as well. So yeah, those are my goals for the drivers and the teams. Now let's end this episode with a little bit of a fun segment the return of the three-word game. Okay, so I have chosen a bunch of all-time drivers at complete random, um, and I have chosen three words to describe each of them. I might give a bit of a reason as to why I've gone with those three words in between each one, or I might just, you know, continue on. We'll see. Um, so I've decided to start with Kimi Raikkonen and I've gone with insane early career. So I feel like the newer F1 driver, you know, such as myself, I've just kind of chosen to go back into history of F1 and, and, you know, learn as much as I can watch some old races. Kimi back in the day was something else and his story. Getting to F1 is incredible. Just being so quick in a practice session that Sauber was like, we need this guy. And he had the fewest, even fewer than Max Verstappen, who came in at a ridiculously young age, the fewest um, races in a Formula car before getting the promotion to F1. And right away, he was so stormingly fast. And the early McLaren days, I feel like, are very um, not unknowns, maybe not the word, but I feel like Kimmy's not remembered for that. He's remembered for his Ferrari days and maybe even more so his Lotus days, which is crazy. 
Maybe that's going a little bit too far. But Kimmy in the McLaren was something special, and he would have won the championship, and I believe it was 05 had it not been for the reliability issues with that car. And for those who don't know, Adrian Newey, the genius behind the Red Bull cars these days, was the designer of the McLarens uh, of, of those years. Um, I believe, did Newey have a team? I think he went Williams, McLaren, Red Bull. I think that's the case because Newey joined Red Bull right away when they became a team, I believe. So uh, I'm, I'm maybe not super on top of my Adrian Newey history, but I believe that's the case. Um, so yeah, now Ayr- Ayrton Senna. Um, honestly, I threw this one in just because it was, it was too easy almost. And it's a fallen hero. Um, and I wanted to do Senna and Prost because Al- Alan Prost goes right hand in hand with Ayr- Ayrton Senna's three words. And I have him as an undeserving villain. I feel like looking back on this era, everyone's a Senna fan and not that many people are Prost fans. And I think, you know, without being too insensitive to the tragic death of Senna, um, I do think the fact that, you know, when you die on top of your game, um, you're kind of remembered as this thing that was almost larger than life. And I know Brazil absolutely loves Senna and they did for good reason. Like Senna, I I almost thought of doing something just a little bit more... um, a representative of what he was on track, you know, an absolute beast, but ridiculously fast in qualifying. Um, I, I thought of doing something like that. Like if you look at his stats, you know, he's got, what is it? I should know this. He's got 41 wins. Yeah. I think he's got 41 wins. Um, and then he's got like 60 something pole positions. Like that's pretty wild. Like looking at Max Verstappen, Max Verstappen is almost catching Aaron Senna in wins. And he has 22 poles. Like, Max has the wins instead of the poles, which is kind of wild. Can, like That's how many pole positions Aaron Sano got in his career. And in terms of races, I should have maybe looked this up too, but I don't think Max Verstappen is that far off of Aaron Senna's total for races too, which is wild. Um, so, and then in terms of Prost, honestly, one of the most underrated drivers of all time, and I know that's crazy to say when he, he scored more championships than uh, Alan Pro or then Aaron Senna, sorry, um, beat one of the legends of the sport in Senna in the same car. Um, and had it, I think somebody pointed out that if the points were done the way they are today, f- like forever, um, back then, if they scored like they were today, Alan Pross would be a seven time world champion. That is insane. And the reason why is because of his consistency as well. And he's really done nothing to deserve to be the villain when you look back at this rivalry. He's a great guy, to be honest, too. And I suggest listening to his Beyond the Grid episode with Tom Clarkson as well. It was very recent, and Prost is a great guy to listen to. Um, I'll say that. But anyway, he does not deserve to be a hero and villain in this you know, iconic rivalry. They were both legends who went up against each other. That's all it is. Seb Vettel, um, this guy had it all. He had it all. Those are my three words. Um, and by by that, I mean he, I, I don't remember who pointed this out, but somebody said that he probably lived every um, facet that you possibly could of an F1 career. You know, um, coming in at, at, with a new team, but also being in the midfield at the end of his career, he went through the tough years at Ferrari. He went through a dominant uh, uh, period 
Um, he had the period where his team was kind of building up to the dominance. Um, he had the team had the year with Red Bull where they fell out of contention. He built up Ferrari, had the tough years with Ferrari, but they were in contention. Then he was in 2019 and 2020 was like the downfall of a big team and kind of getting phased out of a top team. Like he, he went through everything he possibly could in his career and still somewhat retired young. Four championships. Yeah, it's not seven, but I still think Seb had it all. Rubens Barrichello. Just this was an easy one too. He was just the ultimate wingman. I know some people might say Valtteri Bottas, but I don't. I don't agree. Rubens was the the only one when you look at you know a Sergio Perez or um, I don't even know. I'm trying to think of more examples besides Perez and Bottas. I know. I've, I'm sorry. I have a lot better uh, knowledge when it comes to more current F1, but. Rubens Barrichello was the only uh, driver of those wingmen type of drivers, I guess you could say, that won a championship with two different teams. He was there for all the Michael Ferrari years, but also he was there when Jensen Button won at Braun, and he was insanely instrumental to all of those championships. So I just think Rubens should have that distinction. He is certainly the ultimate number two driver and for another Ferrari driver who was close to winning a championship but couldn't quite do it um, this is the first person um, on here who was a champion for only 30 seconds that's Felipe Massa 30 second champion Um, and I feel like it was a good person to kind of add into this into this three-word game because of kind of what was going on with the 2008 world championship and you know the f1 f1 saying basically that they knew about uh the crash gate scandal and that the the race should have been canceled and if the race were canceled felipe massa would be champion on count back but it's not going to happen there i guess there's a rule where if lewis hamilton has already celebrated the championship and the trophy has been placed in his hands then essentially he he can't be you know the championship can't be taken away from him um i don't know if that makes any sense because i feel like if anything got overturned last year with the hashtag human error champ garbage um then lewis hamilton would have been the champion so i I don't know how that makes any sense but anyway it doesn't matter felipe massa is not going to be crowned the 2008 champion um but honestly he really deserved it he drove phenomenally that year and who knows where, what he could have done had it not been for that freak accident where that spring hit him in the helmet and knocked him out. Because I feel like after that happened, he wasn't quite the same. Felipe was, you know, an all-time driver. And it's just a shame the way his, his career played out. Tanya Ricardo, we're, we're getting close to the end, I, I, I promise. Um, I'm saying that he is the most entertaining driver in brackets of all time most entertaining drivers the three words though um for not only what he did off the track but remembering back to just his early red bull days and what he did on the track you know he has the nickname the last of the late breakers for a reason and if you go back and watch daniel ricardo highlights i guarantee you you don't even have to be a racing fan you will be entertained um it is rare when we get someone you know that um just likable and charismatic off the track and then also be so fun to watch and so talented on the track um ricardo really does deserve um, more respect than he's been getting 
All right, now I will do Juan Manuel Fangio. And I'm giving this guy a bit of a creative one. Um, it's kind of a nickname, I guess, more so than a three-word. But he's the original gangster. He's the OG. And the reason I say that, he didn't win the first F1 World Championship of all time. Um, I believe that was Giuseppe Farina. And then, I believe it was Farina, Fangio, Ascari, Ascari, and then four straight Fangios. I could be wrong. Um, it doesn't matter. I don't even know why I'm saying these things um he's the original gangster because not only is he you know the first he won the five championships and then still no one even had five championships until schumacher um which took a long long time um and the most anyone had was three until alan pross got his fourth um so that is a long time to be waiting for someone to even get close to the numbers of Fanjo. I know there was Brabham, who I believe has three. Jackie Stewart has three. Jim Clark, I'm not sure how many he has. Um, he might have three. I, I don't really quite remember. Um, Nicky Lauda has three. Um, but he is the original gangster because you had to be, when you were driving racing cars back in those days, you have to have balls of steel um like you were a successful formula one driver back then just if you had a career and didn't you know die in the car like i know that again it's sounding a bit insensitive to the drivers back then but it's true i just think nowadays these drivers are safe and they could be soft if they want to be um back then no you had to be an absolute gangster to be a race car driver in the 50s um so it's kind of like uh, a double entendre there um, with him being, you know, the original kind of goat of the sport, but then also being an absolute boss. I mean, yeah, just just watch old clips of old racing men and and you can see how many drivers are also unfortunately lost their lives in the car um, by accidents that would be not that crazy nowadays. Right. So. Now I only got a few left. Nicky Lauda, um, he's the wizard of racing. I, I really do believe that. Um, not only did he build Ferrari back in the day and was just an incredible um, savant of, of racing behind the wheel and, you know, in the garage. He also built Mercedes too. I mean, well, not, he didn't build Mercedes from scratch, but you know what I mean? He was influential in the run that they went on and they talk about him all the time. They still miss him to this day. Um, so I think he was just an absolute wizard. Um, and you know, you could say the same thing about, oh, Adrian Newey, how he's just this design genius, but he also didn't drive the car. You know what I mean? A lot of them did at some point when they're in their junior career and then they just weren't good enough. Some of them never drove and they're just are engineers that love the competitive aspect of the sport. But Nikki was, you know, brilliant at both. And that's why I see him as a wizard. Now, I have to do Michael Schumacher, right? Um, just, there's no other way to describe him to me than just fast and ruthless. I could have gone fast and furious, but I thought that was a bit cheesy. Um, Schumacher, I, I, I do have him as my greatest of all time, and I am a Lewis fan. Um, I do think there were some things that Schumacher did that weren't, you know, great that people don't really remember or choose not to remember. But then again, Lewis Hamilton has not been perfect in his career. In fact, when he was younger, um, you know, Ligate, I think, is something that 
is not really remembered by many people, and it was not a good look for Lewis Hamilton whatsoever. Anyway, we're not getting into that now. Um, Schumacher, if he wanted something, you know, he did it and he worked for it. And not he was he had a bit of that loud in him too, where he really did build Ferrari back up. And I think that is kind of what made him so great. The fact that he went there, struggled, broke his leg too. Let's not forget that, how great he was after he broke his leg. Um, so Schumacher gets my respect. Yes, at the end of the career in, in, in the Mercedes, he was not the driver he once was. Um, but also going up against Nico Rosberg, who I think is a very underrated driver of all time. Um, but anyway, you guys have seen Michael Schumacher race, right? He was ruthless and of course fast being a seven-time world champion but was he the sport's greatest talent no that's max verstappen the sport's greatest talent um and i really do think that i mean if you're coming in at 16 years old and honestly like matching a race winner who beat a four-time world champion i know it's different years different cars different you know points in your life can even you know affect a driver's performance regardless of all that at that age and then doing what he's doing now the max verstappen's talent is unmatched i just think he really needed to hone other skills um when it came to his racing early on in his career and now that he's honed those skills the raw speed that he always had just the raw talent and pace and everything that he's always had has now all come together and he's damn near unstoppable so I honestly think whether or not, you know, being the greatest of all time is not just about your talent. It is about, you know, the body of work and, you know, other things as well. The influence and legacy that you leave on the sport too, I think matters. Um, but in terms of just pure talent, I struggle to find anyone who is better than Max Verstappen. And maybe that's recency bias because I'm a newer Formula One fan. But my God, he is incredible. Fernando Alonso though. I know these are current drivers. I just wanted to end on these three currents uh, because they're all-time greats. Fernando Alonso is, for me, could be GOAT. He, he honestly could be the greatest of all time. Just it's those career decisions that people always get on Fernando for. And I think it's for good reason, you know. He really could have been the greatest of all time had he just been in better cars at the right time. You know, the one thing that you can look at him and be like, no, okay, that wasn't great. Was, of course, the 2007 season going up against Lewis Hamilton um, in the same car. Lewis Hamilton was a rookie. Of course, you know, Lewis is considered one of the greatest now as well. But he was a rookie at the time, and they tied. But I think people also forget, of course, Fernando was the two-time champion at the time, a reigning two-time world champion, I should say. But that was a new team for him as well. And Lewis had been with McLaren for a long time. So it's hard to just be like, oh, you know, Alonso should have beat the rookie when he was coming in a new team. And the rookie had actually been with the team, just not in a Formula 1 seat for a, a quite some time. So I think that that year um, is a bit uh, overrated. I shouldn't say overrated for Lewis Hamilton because it probably is the best rookie season of all time still. Um but, but yeah, you get what I'm saying. It's not as uh, bad of a mark on Alonso's resume as, as it is for some people. But other than that, I think we saw some of the best 
non-World Drivers' Championship driving of all time with Fernando Alonso in the in the Ferrari between 2010 and 2012. Um, you know, drove all those years in a terrible McLaren. He was in a Renault in 09 when, you know, Braun won the championship. Like, if he was just in the right car at the right time, things could have been very different for him. So, uh, yeah, I guess I'll leave it at that. 2008, he would have been in a Renault too, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. He 2008, he would have been in a Renault too. If he had been in the Ferrari in 2007 and 2008, he could have been world champion. Um, you know, in 2009, I mean, but the whole Braun thing, it was tough. Um, but then Red Bull's dominance, you know, best. he's probably the best driver in Formula 1 at that time, but he wasn't in the best car. Anyway, I'm going on a while about Fernando here. And lastly, Lewis Hamilton. And I've gone with Legacy Lives Forever. Um, and I think Shumi's will too, because he was kind of... Um, he dominated the era in and did it in the Ferrari, which will always be remembered. So people will always remember Schumacher too, first seven-time world champion as well. But I think Lewis is even more polarizing, and again, probably recency bias, because I know Schumacher was insanely popular and polarizing in his day as well, because the fact that he was doing it in the Ferrari amplified that by a lot. Um, but I just think Lewis's story... Um, what he's done off the track in the back half of his career, the dominance in the Mercedes, um, and also just his personality. And of course the fact that he is black, um, all those things put together, he will never be forgotten. Even if Max Verstappen, you know, continues this dominance, breaks all the records, becomes, you know, the best driver of all time. Lewis Hamilton will always, always be special in this sport. Um, and even if, Years from now, years and years from now, where Lewis's numbers that look insane nowadays actually, you know, kind of fall by the wayside, he, he'll be seen as a pioneer as well um, for being the first person of color. So not only really, he wasn't technically the one first one to be in a race seat, or maybe he was. I think, yeah, I think technically he was. There, there had been one or, or a couple that had practice, uh, drove like a practice session. I think he was the first one actually in a race seat too. Anyway, you get the point. So yeah, that that's that's it guys. I'll say again, please check the link tree as I said at the beginning of the episode. Um, and I guess I'll just fill you guys in too. I'm still not posting to YouTube at the moment as my basement is still kind of mangled. So my setup is still compromised at the moment. Um, so I will continue recording audio podcasts for the time being and I will get video back as soon as I possibly can. But that will do it for episode 49 of Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I will be back with episode 5-0 next week. I honestly can't believe it. I'm, I don't even know what I'm going to do yet, guys. I have to come up with something special. Um, but, yeah, that's going to be it. So, goodbye.